Welcome into the Esports Network podcast where we talk about anything and everything esports related, whether that's, you know, from the basic of player contracts to corporate agreements and the, the real legalese behind these contracts and, and, and agreements. Let's now bring in our guest for this week, Jonathan Jordan. He's an associate attorney over at Kane Russell Coleman Logan. Jonathan, thanks for coming on the show and, and kind of giving us your insight as, a, as an attorney working in the esports space. Yeah, absolutely. Happy, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So let's give a little, little bit of background info on you, Jonathan. Obviously, you're a graduate of SMU, major in accounting and economics. So you have a really firm basis in in the corporate kind of uh, economic scale of this. Got a JD from Baylor University. I mean, Baylor Bears, I'm not a fan of, but you know, that's okay. We'll make it work, right? Hey, honestly, I, I went there for law school, but I'm, I'm not a huge Baylor Bear fan, although we, <laughs> we won the national championship in, in basketball, and that's the first national championship I've experienced, so definitely right. didn't experience at SMU. So. <laughs> no, no, that's true. That's true. SMU's kind of <laughs> – they, they dropped back a few uh, following that that awful awful football uh, <laughs> issue they had a few years back. But for the most part, you work uh, with the – you're a member of the Esports Bar Association in, in Texas. You, you work – I mean, apparel companies, esports facilities. Yeah, yeah, you're you're not exactly in the courtroom always. I'm assuming, but you're pretty much in the boardrooms, drafting up these these agreements, these kinds of uh, sponsorship deals, stuff like that. All kinds of things that you have your fingers in. Um, I mean, my my first big hitting question really is, why can I I not call you Doctor Jonathan Jordan Esquire? Why can I call you that? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I don't really like the Esquire at the end. I I think it's kind of corny. Yeah. Um, so uh, definitely not a doctor too. So hey, um, jurist doctor, there you go. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I know. I'm, I'm just I'm just pulling your leg here. All right. <laughs> Obviously, we're you're, you're an attorney at heart, so we're going to keep it that way. Uh, for for any kind of just a quick disclaimer for folks, none of this we're talking about is going to be legal advice. It's it's really not anything you should be taking uh you know to heart. This is face value kind of vague stuff. We're not going to be getting into any specific clients that Jonathan represents. It's just going to simply be his personal experiences working in the esports legal space, and that's pretty much where we're going to kind of go there. But let's get some background info on you, Jonathan. Just growing up, uh, what kind of space did video games hold in your life, in your household? I mean, video games played a huge part in my life. Uh, I mean, I I played traditional sports. Uh, I I grew up playing tennis. um, And like in high school, I was playing tennis 20 hours a week. That's where I would go after school. But all of my friends, we would have LAN parties for Halo um, at our houses with multiple Xboxes on multiple TVs. Um, so we were, we were pretty old school, but, um, I, I grew up playing League of Legends, Dota, Call of Duty, as I said, Halo. Um, when I got to college, FIFA was big in my fraternity. We played FIFA a lot, um, had kind of, uh, Age of Empires club in my fraternity as well that we, (laughs) that we, try to keep a little bit on the down low. <laughs> um, we had code words for it when we were going to play. Um, but video games, I've always played video games. Um, it, it's always been there. I always was trying to get the, the newest console whenever it came out. Um, I'm still trying to get the Xbox Series X, by the way. That's, that's been very elusive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up gaming. I'm, I'm a longtime gamer, and, and I just found an opportunity to 
combine uh, my past love and passion and with what is taking up pretty much all of my time now. Um, so, no, I love it. And so just for, for people out there who don't know, obviously, you're not some old curmudgeon lawyer. You're, <laughs> you're a relatively young guy. You, you, like you said, you grew up playing land parties with Halo. And, and that's, that's, that's awesome. And so uh, you're not some some kind of out of touch corporate, you know, you know, stooge, anything like that. You're 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 embedded in the scene as well. You kind of help you know, uh, write things up for and, and really get things kind of settled in the, in the sphere. But here's the thing, right? Gaming and esports are, aren't exactly the same. But when you first heard about esports, right? Competitive gaming, people making money, uh, companies making money off this. What was your first reaction to that? And what was that level of intrigue you had? Honestly, it was, I, I thought, is there any way that I can do this? Um, and I realized that uh, being a pro player was not going to happen. I, I was never that good. And I'm nowhere near as good as these, the pro players that are playing right now. Um, but it was just something where I, and I first started really paying attention to it um, probably four to five years ago, pretty soon out of law school. Um, I mean, I was, I was aware of like MLG back in the day and, and I followed that, but really started following esports as we know it now um pretty much two years after i graduated law school so i'm, I'm six years out of law school mm-hmm. right now i graduated in 2016 um and it, it was really at that point i was trying to think what my what i wanted my career to look like and um i, I went to my first live event um, it was at DreamHack. Actually, it, it was a one, probably a smaller live event than than we're we're used to. But it was still I was I got to experience the crowd, the live the live commentary going on, the roars of the fans when when there was a, a triple kill um, or when someone made a big play, and it, I, I just realized that it was something that excited me and that I wanted to get involved in. Um, regardless of whether it's on the legal side, um, a lot of what I've been doing has been outside of legal, just just helping people in their businesses. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the meetups um, at some point about yeah. motivations for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when I first saw it, I, I immediately thought I need to get involved somehow. I mean, these are people that I can relate to. Um, and it's an industry that there is opportunity for me to develop a career in, in my own way. So that's, it's kind of how I've initially saw it. No, it's perfect. And it's, it's, it's a great way to kind of put it. You kind of gaming was your past, right? You, you move into the future with, with, with your law degree and then you rediscover gaming again. It's, it's, it's a great kind of, kind of full circle story. And so uh, let's talk about the, the new love, right? The, the quote unquote new love of, of your career. What was like your, your main motivation in pursuing that law degree? And was, I mean, was it something you always wanted? Is it, was it something that you kind of stumbled upon in high school or college? It, I've always wanted to do it. My my dad is a longtime attorney here in Dallas as well, so I grew up around it. Um, and it's I, I like the just the problem solving aspect of it. I mean, you never know what's going to come across your desk. Um, primarily, right now, I'm doing litigation, so I'm we're representing businesses in court. But um, as I've 
been developing this esports practice. It's it's definitely been more of a just general corporate practice, drafting contracts, negotiating deals. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's something I grew up uh, I grew up around, and it's always I've always had it in my mind that I was going to go to law school, um, and I, I don't think I was like the stereotypical, oh, I like to argue and, and really like win arguments growing <laughs> up. And I never did like debate tournaments or anything like that. Um, but just being around the law firm culture with my dad, it was something that, that kind of got ingrained in me and, and I was genuinely, genuinely interested by it. Um, so yeah. That's kind of thirty thousand foot. <laughs> no, that's perfect. It's it's uh, it's interesting, right? So obviously you're leading the way at at Kane Russell Coleman Logan for this esports practice. You're, you're kind of leading the way on that. I mean, how does one get into this niche area of esports law? Like, I mean, how exactly do you, do you find the clients? Do they come to you? What exactly did that all entail in starting up an esports like practice? Honestly, so when I first it was almost four years ago now, um, when I went to, uh, the partner at the, at the law firm, um, that I primarily work with, um, I told him, uh, this is probably the most millennial thing for a millennial <laughs> lawyer to want to do, but I want to start trying to develop an esports practice. And they, honestly, they, he was skeptical at first. I mean, he's, he's an older guy, um, not as connected himself with, with the gaming space. Um, so, but with that being said, the firm was extremely supportive. It is extremely supportive of young attorneys going out and trying to develop their own practice, um, and, and develop business. So, uh, he was all for it. Um, but still a little skeptical. So, when I got the the go ahead on that, I really started just trying to get plugged into the space, and which is pretty easy to do in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're aware <laughs> Dallas is a hotbed for the industry, um, so really, link. I, I started getting on LinkedIn. I was never that active on LinkedIn before this, but LinkedIn has been my major tool for for getting plugged into the industry. So I just started reaching out to people in the Dallas esports community and just asking to hear about their experiences in the industry, um, get their insights and, and everything just kind of snowballed from there. I would get connected with more people through those connections. Um, and as my network started to grow, um, I, I really started trying to, uh, focus on helping those people, um, not on the legal side, just kind of repaying them for them helping me get plugged in um, and helping make further connections for them. Because one of the things that I quickly found out was even though we say the esports community is very close knit, a very tight community, I was shocked to see how many people in the Dallas esports community didn't really know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw an opportunity for a lot of collaboration in the, in the DFW area, at least. So I really started trying to just expand my network and then using that to help foster collaboration and uh, opportunities um, for my connections. And that's really what I've been doing for the past three, three and a half years. Um, And the legal work that I've gotten has kind of organically come from that. Um, I'm not 
necessarily seeking out clients. I'm not approaching people. Uh, I mean, sometimes I do if it makes <laughs> sense, but but that's it's usually the exception where I just go up and say, hey, can I help you with this? Um, it's more of, or can I help you with this legal thing? It, it's more of, um, I, I really genuinely want to help these businesses grow um, and really help the DFW esports business community grow. Um, so really, I'm, I'm just approaching people um, saying, hey, can I help you get connected with so-and-so? I think there might be an opportunity there uh, to do something together. And, and then, like I said, the, the legal work has organically come from that. Uh, but I'm not necessarily seeking it out right now. Right, you know, you're not cold calling people in the middle right. of the night, saying like, "Hey, I heard you guys are are doing this. Need some help with a, with an agreement? I can write it up for you. Lickety split. Let's do it real quick." But right. uh, <laughs> I, I know it's it's. Uh, I know, I'm thankful for for you kind of reaching out and connecting all these various you know different Dallas uh, esports you know personalities companies and kind of bringing them together I know LinkedIn is was like like you said was a huge part of bringing us together and so you 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 definitely took a took on a big role connecting us all and I, I appreciate that from my perspective and then that was I mean like I said earlier like I mentioned earlier that was the motivation for for these meetups that that I've been hosting um, I, I was I started hosting them back in uh, I want to say December of 2019 uh, before COVID mm-hmm. um, was the first one, I believe. And that was just me and five of my closest contacts in the space going to a bar and, and doing trivia. <laughs> um, and then it, it grew to where right before COVID, the last one was in February. We may have started a little earlier than December, but um, the last one we had before COVID was February of 2020. And that one had about 20 people show up. So it grew very rapidly that people were seeing that they were making valuable connections. Um, and then unfortunately, COVID derailed everything and, and we started them back up again. Um, I think... March was our first one this year since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was more of just informal, went to a bar, just kind of gauging everyone's interest and in, in getting back together in person. Um, and now I'm working closely with uh, John Davidson at ESTA mm-hmm. and Charles Conroy, who's also here in Dallas. At, uh, he works for the Switch um, to really make these more formal um events and last month uh we we were at envy hq and yep. had 50 people show up which was the most we've had um so far and we've got plans for next month that it's going to be another exciting venue but the goal with these is to not only have them at great venues but eventually have speakers and kind of educational opportunities where people can come and get insights from industry leaders um, and that's the ultimate goal with these is to just make it a resource for people in the community, whether it be to network or to just learn. Um, so that's hopefully we'll get there. Um, we'll we'll see how the July one turns out. I have high high expectations for the July one, um, but that, that that was the motivating factor for those meetups, and they've been hugely successful so far, which has been great to see. Hey man, you never know. Maybe uh, a year or two, we'll be talking about the uh, you know the Dallas esports convention you guys started up somehow, <laughs> some way out of a little meetup. But uh, I mean, 
So let's say, for example, you you meet in a bar with somebody who doesn't know who you are, doesn't know what you do, and they ask you like, "Hey, what do you do?" And you say, "Well, I you can't just say the, the vanilla. I'm an attorney." You say, "I'm an esports lawyer, pretty much, right?" And and what has been, I guess, the reaction from family and friends when they hear, "Oh, he's a he's a, an attorney who works in in esports," or you know, is it just like is really not that different from corporate you know lawyer, is it? No, I mean, and I'm honestly still trying to convince my wife that <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm doing. Um, she She's not really into the gaming. And I always tell her about these meetups and stuff that I'm working on. And she just kind of like nods her head. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I the way I explain it to people is I, I've done both player and org representation. Um, but really my primary focus is working with companies, uh, just general companies operating in the space. So I represent an apparel company, a uh, local facility here in Dallas, uh, recently started working with the esports awards, um, which has been great. Um, and just really just problem solving, uh, trying, and it is, it, invo- it involves drafting contracts. Um, if, if I'm needed to help, help them negotiate, uh, with another party and a deal. Um, but it's, it is largely a corporate practice, drafting, reviewing, negotiating contracts. Our, our firm does, uh, has done some IP work for other clients, uh, filing for trademarks and copyrights. Um, but the good thing is our firm, we're a full service law firm. So we have lawyers. Uh, I'm, my personal background is in litigation, but we have general corporate attorneys, employment attorneys, real estate attorneys, IP. Uh, pretty much, if you, if you think of it, we probably have a lawyer who does it. And that's the good thing about the good thing about the esports space is pretty much all aspects of our general practices mm-hmm. easily translate into esports, but it's a matter of really developing our knowledge and uh, expertise in the industry and how it works and then applying that to our uh, our experience in the general uh, practice areas that we work in. Um, but it's it's a broad esports is a broad practice mm-hmm. or a broad industry. Um, so it's my my practice is is still evolving. I mean, it's going to continue to evolve over over time. I don't know what I'm doing now um, will be what I'm going to be working on ten years from now. So um, that's that's the exciting thing about the industry is it's constantly evolving, um, clearly still growing, and there's a lot of stuff that still needs to kind of work itself out and become more sophisticated. Um, but but again, that's that's the exciting thing about the industry and about being an attorney in it. Right. So obviously you mentioned earlier that your firm was, was oddly supportive of you kind of taking on this, this venture with esports. I'm curious. I mean, I'm sure you have other friends through other firms. How is esports perceived there? You know, is, is it just for them another client, another opportunity, or is it something a little bit more like making headway into a certain, you know, niche industry? I think the law firms are coming around to realizing that it's, a legitimate industry that they need to be involved in. Um, But it's still, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of old guard at at law firms who are still skeptical. Um, But for firms like ours, that's very entrepreneurial. 
Um, and, and also very, we have a lot of experience working with startups and this is a very startup heavy industry. So we're, we're, we're closer to that aspect of it. Um, but it, it's definitely there. I mean, you see new law firms every day getting into the space. Um, a lot of them are the larger international firms who have maybe already have a general entertainment practice or a general sports sports practice. Um, and it just makes sense for them to transition into esports. Um, but, uh, it's, it's definitely still coming. It's still coming around, I think the, the legal industry. Uh, but every, I think there is a general recognition that there is plenty of opportunity in the space, um, to do something. Right. And so, I mean, for, for, like you said, it's, it's, it's a matter of just implementing different aspects of, of, you know, corporate uh, litigation into esports, which is, you know, kind of the, the similar uh, space for the most part, which, which brings me to my, to my next question, right? What kind, like, it can be a hypothetical, it can be a real world example, and I'll leave this entirely in your hands. What kind of situations arise in this kind of litigation that are kind of unique to esports? You know, is it, is it beyond just contractual agreements and sponsorship and licensing issues? Honestly, there hasn't been a lot of litigation in the industry so far. I mean, you're seeing some IP disputes, copyright infringement stuff that is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, we did see the Tfue, Tfue lawsuit. Um, that that's It was new um, in, in the context of esports. I mean, it's nothing new as far as players having disputes with their teams or orgs. Um, but there really hasn't been a whole lot of litigation, though, and, and I think that that will change. Um, I think as we get out of the we're all still in this together, building the industry up, uh, making it more legitimized, um, as things start to get more sophisticated, as uh, uh, there there will be more litigation. litigation it's inevitable. No, I agree, and it's 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 uh, it's interesting. Just that it's more of a it's it's more of the same with esports. It's really not that much different than just your, your traditional practice or anything like that. But um, I'm curious now, like what has been maybe a growing issue, a growing concern for the industry from your perspective, right? You have a different handle on things. You see different things every day than you know just your traditional content creators and and you know gaming executives. What's kind of been looming on the horizon for the esports industry? Honestly, I mean this this will always be an issue. It's it's been probably the biggest issue since the spotlight got on the industry was was player contracts. That's still a major a major concern. Um, I think until we start to see more player unions, um, and and when I say player unions, player unions that are not affiliated with the leagues, actual independent uh, unions. Um, and, and we are starting to see them pop up. Um, I think once they get more developed, um, we're still going to continue to see major issues with player contracts. There's still um, plenty of, and, and I've, like I said, I've done both player and org side. I, rep, I have an org client right now. Um, I help some players negotiate their deals very early on in, in my career uh, or in my esports legal career. Um, <laughs> but that that's always going to be a hot topic. Um, and then one recent thing that's, that's starting to come up and it's not necessarily esports specific, but it's, it's definitely um, 
showing its face in esports is is NFTs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, definitely a hot topic in the legal industry right now. And law firms are are trying to wrap their heads around it, especially um, firms like ours that have a financial practice. Um, just trying to and and IP um, trying to figure out where NFTs fall into everything. Um, I, I, that's that's going to be a major. Uh, topic moving forward that's going to get a lot of attention that's still brand new mm-hmm. not really a whole lot of law on it um, I mean questions of whether NFTs are securities or not um, just now being addressed it's that's that's probably the biggest one of the biggest ones I see um, moving forward right now no, and I just I'm, I myself, you know, I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around NFTs, and I'm just like, so they can they can buy gifts and make money off that. I'm not sure exactly how that works out, but all right, <laughs> it's, it's it's their own thing. It's cool, but uh, we'll figure it out one way or the other. I'm sure uh, NFTs will be more understood as as time goes on. But um, uh, now I'm just kind of I got to ask you, what's been maybe one of the more interesting matters you've had to help take care of whether it's you know it can be and you know i know you said you, you work with apparel companies and, and and facilities around the around the uh, the metroplex area but what is something that you kind of like you look back you're like you laugh at you think wow that's that was kind of nutty that i helped figure that out honestly the one of the first things i did and it and it all i mean i always remember it because it was one of the first things i did was was when i helped i helped the uh former optic gears of war team negotiate their deal with nrg when they went to nrg and then when they went to uiu um i helped them negotiate that deal and they're they're the winningest gears of war team uh gears of war team out there and that was that was really my first dive i was i was doing it as a favor to help a guy one of my connections down here in dallas um but it was really my first dive uh into esports legal work, um, and it, it like I said, I'll always remember because it was the first thing I did. But it, it's also I grew up always. I said I, I, earlier that I always grew up wanting to be a lawyer. I will say I grew up also wanting to be a sports agent, um, <laughs> which is extremely hard to get into. So that was my kind of uh, esports agent. Uh, kind of <laughs> getting a taste of that. Um, but that's not, ultimately, that's not really what, what I want to do. I'm always happy to help players out because um, I think they're the, they're the oil that keeps this big machine going. So I'm always willing to help them, but that's not really what I see my practice uh, being long-term. I think there are plenty of great lawyers out there who are, who are doing player work, player representation. Um, but... Uh, it's really not so much as interesting matters though. It's just in the people that I'm working with, like I said, working, I'm, I've recently started working with the esports awards. They're, they're doing amazing work in the space. Um, and the work I've done for them has been just general run of the mill corporate stuff right now. Um, but it's more of just being involved and being able to help out a company like that. That's putting out great content, great educational content, um, that's also building a name for themselves in the industry, making uh, big waves in the industry. So it's more of, I wouldn't say interesting matters. Um, it's just I, I've been being, been able to work with very interesting people and companies. And that's that's really the perk of being in this industry is, is everyone's doing something that's interesting, exciting, new, 
um, and just being able, not even to help them on the legal side, but just being able to connect them with someone and then seeing a deal announced that you helped facilitate. That's, that's the ultimate reward for me. Um, and I've been able to do that a lot for my apparel company client and some other, some other clients and non-clients. I've been able to help facilitate something that I see an announcement about um, that I helped do or I, help, I helped facilitate. And that, that's, like I said, that's the ultimate reward. That's awesome. And it's funny you bring up that Optic Gears of War team, or I guess now X-Optic, because I remember it's a funny little sidetrack. I'll, I'll be quick about this, but I used to work at ESPN Dallas Radio, and I hosted the first esports podcast, esports live radio show out there for you know a few years or so. And then I one of my first big interviews was actually ashes from that yeah. gears of war team and yeah. so i brought him on it was just he, my, one of my very first couldn't have been like second or third at most my first big interview and he was he was awesome and so i'm glad to hear that they found an awesome lawyer to take care of them after their optic days and so that's well, a, he was he was he was one of the first guys that i connected with that's in awesome the sports um so that yeah that's that's why i helped them out a small um, world, man. It's, I mean, yeah. like you said, it is, it is a very small world, but again, <laughs> it, it's shocking at how, how many people don't know each other in the industry. I mean, it is a small world, but there, there's still a lot that needs to be done to make people know about each other no, so, you're that right. can, so that they can collaborate. No, you're hundred um, percent right. It's just, it's, it's so funny to me that you bring up uh, that optic team. It's like, it's awesome. But I, now I, I got to ask like this kind of, uh, you know, vague question, right? Where do you see the future of esports in the next five to 10 years? Or, or maybe where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? You know, you have to answer that last one, but really just where do you want this industry to move towards? Well, I mean, ultimately, I, I hope in 10 years I'm going to still be doing this. Um, I, I think the industry is certainly here to stay. Um, I, I, I think it's going to look very different than it looks now. Um, I, I think you're going to see it, it look more like traditional sports in that you're going to have a core group of maybe 20 to 30 major orgs. I think it, it's it's extremely difficult for small and mid-sized orgs to survive in this space. I think you're going to see a lot of small and mid-sized orgs merging um, or being acquired by the larger orgs, uh, maybe being turned into feeder feeder systems for, for the larger orgs. But I think it's overall, I think it's going to shift more towards the traditional sports um, and not necessarily, I mean, Different leagues are, are doing uh, geographic franchises. Some aren't, uh, but just overall, I think you're going to see the, the the industry dominated by the major orgs more, and it's going to get harder to get into it on the org side of things. Um, that's not to say it's impossible, but I, I think uh, the the barriers to entry right now are very low, but I think the barriers to survival are, are fairly high. Um, and I think that's something that's going to shake out in the next five or 10 years for sure. And, and then just, it's going to be just become more sophisticated as people figure out exactly how to consistently make money in the industry. Um, definitely still trying to figure that out. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, like I said, it's, I think it's here to stay, but uh, it's it's clearly got the popularity and all the eyes on it. 
Um, but I think from a business standpoint, it, it's going to look different. Gotcha. And so, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I like the, the kind of feeder system you set up because it reminds me of MLB set up right now with the minor leagues kind of just feeding talent to the upper league, the upper, you know, main league. And then there's obviously little smaller leagues that aren't really affiliated with either of those, like the independent league out here. And this is it's just an interesting little little topic to think about, you know, five, 10 years. I think 2020, this decade is going to be one of the most pivotal decades for esports. And that brings me kind of segues into my next question. What role? does Dallas esports have to play in this industry, right? We're both Dallas boys. It's a big old hotbed right here. What's our biggest, uh, I guess, kind of uh, our call to action in the next few years? I mean, I'm obviously biased toward, toward <laughs> Dallas, but I mean, we've, we've always heard Dallas regarded as the second capital of esports behind uh, LA. And I think that's still the case. And I think it will remain the case. We have a very vibrant and energetic uh, community in, in, in Dallas of business professionals, uh, people who want to get involved in the industry. And there are a lot of things being done in the background um, that are really going to keep this community growing. Um, but I, I think Dallas is going to be, uh, I think it already is, but I think it's going to continue to be a leader in the esports space Um from a business side of things. I mean, we obviously have the, the pro orgs envy and complexity. Um, and I think, uh, but just as a general business climate where it's, it's very, like I said, it's very energetic. There's a ton of opportunity, um, to get involved. And, um, I think what we're doing in Dallas will bleed out into other major metroplexes, um, and and we'll see bigger communities growing in other other cities as well. I've already had been contacted by people in Florida who have who have said just in talking about the meetups in general that mm-hmm. saying, hey, do you know if there's something like this going on in Florida? We there we have a great community that there needs to be something like this happening. Um, I think that's we're going to see more of that um, definitely in, in the very immediate future. Um, but like I said, that Dallas is is always a leader uh, in, in everything. Uh, I'm, I'm a Dallas kid, born and raised. So I'm like I said, I'm biased, but especially in esports, I, I think we have a lot going for us. No, for sure. We have obviously you practicing esports law up here, Envy. We have uh, Complexity, you know, the Esports City Marlins and Esports Awards coming to town. A bunch of things coming up in the next year, even just for this 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 beautiful Metroplex of ours. But Jonathan, you, you, I asked you a bunch of questions. You knocked them out of the park and I, I can't <laughs> ask for any more. I'll, I'll, I got to ask you one last thing, though. If people want to ask you some questions, maybe throw a comment here or two there. Where can they reach you if they have any questions or comments that they want to share with you? Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Jordan. Um, I've got a group on LinkedIn for the meetups called DFW Esports Group. We've got about 120 members in there. Um, I post updates about meetups, but it's also a great resource um, for people looking to get connected in the DFW Esports community as well. Um, And then you can find me on our firm website, uh, krcl.com. I also have a Twitter, DFW Esports Law. I'm trying to get better at being active on Twitter. Um, 
but LinkedIn is definitely my my uh, primary one. No worries at all. Well, Jonathan, I, I thank you for coming on the show. And I got a busy, busy schedule ahead of you today, so I won't take up any more of your time. And, and again, thank you so much for coming on the show and kind of giving us your unique perspective uh, coming from the legal side of things. Yeah, no, and thanks again for having me. This this was great. Awesome. So he's Jonathan Jordan, attorney, esports at law over here, and I'm just Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network podcast. Yeah.